Hi, and welcome to Greedo Shot First. I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marcus Sparks. Hello, hello. Hello. Star Wars podcast for uh, people who hate Star Wars fans is how our friends described it. So uh, do with that what you will. And we keep repeating it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today we'll be talking about Revenge of the Sith, which we both just rewatched. But before that, I don't know, any general thoughts on the state of Star Wars? Well, there's no real news. No, it looks like it's going to be January. I think there was, there's some kind of quote from Kathleen Kennedy saying that like she hoped to have more info in January or something like that. So that's what we're looking mm-hmm. at, which is only like two weeks away now. So I think it's interesting, though, that they um, they keep releasing the that Kathleen Kennedy, George Lucas interview, like in spurts. Yeah. Like, like five minute segment here and there. Like that's the, I guess, the marketing plan to hold you over for this period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. I mean, it's something in the in the void. Yeah. Until then, people will just have to continue photoshopping lightsabers onto Starlet's hands. Yes. Um. Whoever the director is, I really hope that they don't shoot it in forty-eight frames per second. Because <laughs> holy shit, that looks terrible. Yeah. There are all these weird people online. I don't know if they're like being paid by somebody or if they're just like huge sycophants but like they're just going around telling everyone how like 48 fps is better and you're wrong to think otherwise and you'd bet just better accept the future it's really weird Mm. they must all be like either getting paid or they're like 15 or something but um they could not be more wrong 48 frames per second looks like garbage uh for a movie there's a reason they shot in 24p for as long as they have you're gonna go ahead and say what Hello. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. You were like, I'm gonna go ahead and say, and then you didn't say anything. I was I was assassinated by the Peter Jackson mm-hmm. Illuminati. I was saying that the Phantom Menace is a lot better film than the Hobbit part one. Uh oh, don't get me started on how terrible that movie is. We can talk about that in our other podcast, Time Trial Murder Mystery. Um but you know, I know that Disney has already said they want to shoot it in 3D. I really hope they don't do it in 48 FPS. It, it'll look so fucking fake and terrible. Um, man, what is wrong with you people? Uh, to me, it's like if, if you think that looks good, you're a low moral character. <laughs> like, I, I, I question your value to society if you think that looks good these are the same people who turn on the the motion flow technology on their tvs and swear it looks better (laughs) i don't know i've seen you know you mentioned that but i've seen equally a lot of backlash so i somehow feel like we're not there's also a lot of backlash against 3d and for some reason that won't go away but hopefully uh, what i'm hoping is that it it's a lot of extra money to do something in 48 frames per second. It's twice the frames, you know, especially for effects work. So yeah. I'm hoping that they look at this and just say that the, there is no true benefit to shooting a movie this way, you know, like right. doubling up on the effects work just so it can look like a soap opera uh, or like a video game cutscene is not really worth it. <laughs> Looks like something from like an old, like BBC TV show. Yeah. Like previously on Xena. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Oh, go fuck yourself, Peter Jackson. Yeah. 
Anyway, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. What a fun movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it gets it's really so dark. It gets so grim in the second half of the movie. And it's weird is that like they're doing as much as they can to kind of maintain a a PG-13 rating and just kind of like a a Star Wars mood. But man, it's grim. You know, I mean, like yeah. they really stop to think about what's happening. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's it's just like Jedi Holocaust, like it's killing children. Movie. <laughs> yeah. Anakin's well, Anakin massacring children timely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, really. Watching that scene last night when I rewatched it, I was just like, ooh, that's rough. Those kids were prepping for the end of the world, and it still didn't save them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, it opens with a big space battle. There's the the cool reveal where it's just two ships, like, gliding along the hull of one of the big cruisers. Well, first of all, the last line of dialogue from Phantom Menace is, PEACE! Yes. And the first line of the opening crawl for Revenge of the Sith is war, mm-hmm. which has the great line of, there are heroes on both sides, evil is everywhere. <laughs> we haven't really been introduced any heroes on the other side, but we'll take your word for it. Yeah. But the opening is just, just tremendous. Well, I mean, that, it's that cool oh, reveal where they kind of pan down and you see like this crazy space battle going on. Well, and, and it's just like this weird... Like I, this, you can tell this movie was really intended to be the last ever Star Wars movie. That's my only problem with George mm-hmm. Lucas is his revisionist history. Um, oh, yeah. Like you can, you really tell this is the last ever Star Wars movie because it's such a. Uh, I feel like as he's making the prequels, people were still throwing like the shadow of the original trilogy at him, like left and right, mm-hmm. and it's like there's such a such a nice little like twist on the opening shot of New Hope here. You know, you just got like, oh, look, here's kind of a similar ship to the New Hope ship. And then, like, they flip around it, and there's just this massive fucking space battle happening here. And mm-hmm. to the point where the, the Jedi Star Cruisers are flying in, like, patterns and places, they don't really need to go at all just to show you yeah. more glimpses of this battle. Yeah, you could you could make an argument about the, the kind of tactical nature of what they're doing. It, it makes sense to have them kind of weaving around, like, at first... I was thinking it would look better if they were just going straight on, but they should be weaving to avoid, you know, sh- lasers and whatnot. But you wanted there to be a little bit more coherence, you know, and in, in, in what their their mission is. Well, you mean you, you can make the argument too that they're just kind of getting a lay of the the battlefield, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. by flying close as possible to other ships. Yeah. Well, I love I love the fact that Anakin tries spinning because that's a good trick at yeah. one point. I just I wonder if he was just like clever fans of Phantom Menace will catch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, and the uh, the call sign for one of the the clone fighters is Oddball. I love that name. Oh, is it nice? Yeah, but yeah. That's a just a fun sequence. He, they they kind of look like Tie Fighters with their little S foils that pop up. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you get the kind of the evolution of the uh, the X wings. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like that the it's it's space, but it's also like they cover their asses because it's technically like the upper atmosphere. So you get like the sound, you get noises, you get drift, you get like fogged yeah, up it's, cockpits. It's Star Wars, so you you know explosions make noise in the Star Wars universe. I'll space. put it this way: I listened to the first ten minutes of the commentary, and all mm-hmm. the effects guys are just like, "We decided several months into post production this was the upper atmosphere, and then we felt no shame about the mm-hmm. stuff we were doing." Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they eventually get to Grievous' ship and have to 
I like how, like, at the last second, it's like, oh, do you want to take down that shield generator? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of spins on over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I love, I love the whole, like, the, the presence of R2 in the initial, like, little thing of the, what do they call them, the buzz droids and whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like, Obi-Wan, just like, aim for the center eye. Yeah. Doesn't, it seems like a weird weapon to have on your ship, like a missile that explodes into droids, you know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of effective, but Yeah, yeah, really. I I I'm going to save it for later, but again, a lot of the stuff in this battle lets me makes me wonder about a the uh, the economy and the funding for mm-hmm. this war and <laughs> who are all the individual weapons designers on both sides. I'm sure there's something on the Wikipedia that explains all of that. But I mean, like you can you can imagine that the the super X wings or whatever they would be called, or I don't even know what that symbol would be, mm-hmm. um, could be designed by the Kaminoans. But like, who designed the Jedi starfighters? I don't know. Sorry. Uh, probably, well, Incom designed the X wings. So it's Sinar Systems designed the the Tie fighters. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's like you know, there's corporations that are known for making all these things in, in the Star Wars universe. I, uh, in my senior year of high school, I was the aide for, uh, uh, a teacher's, like, uh, freshman English class. And teachers, like, his students were so dumb that he, he asked them to do a book report on just any book they're choosing. I'll never forget. This kid did a book report for his freshman English class mm-hmm. on, like, a book about, like, the ships of Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah. So like he's one of essential guides to ships or something. It was like, like Dorling Kinsley, like terrible books. He's like reading like selected specifications for various ships that he enjoyed from the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. It was my job was to film the book reports. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, the scene where they, they kind of barely make it onto the ship before the blast doors close. And then like Obi-Wan just does like his like insane leap out of the cockpit. Yeah. Uh, to like cut up Lights a bunch of battle droids, yeah. like that's just pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know how you can complain about that. Like that yeah. that whole landing sequence is pretty freaking awesome. And it really like I don't know. It felt like it's like finally the Jedi. These guys are doing some pretty cool shit here. You know. Well, it's like it's like a lot of the kinks are out from the previous two movies. I mean, the first like twenty five minutes of this film, so much fun. Mm-hmm. It's just so much fun. Yeah, Obi-Wan gets the, I have a bad feeling about this line, which I think he was the guy who said it in Phantom Menace, too. Not yeah, that. I think so. Uh, like, yeah. He's like, flying is for droids. It's like, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Wait, just, you, you really have to like admire Ian McGregor. Like, his, his, he does like a lot of effort to make the littlest things, like infuse them with life, make Obi-Wan feel like a real character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if you could say that the confines of the Anakin Skywalker role give those opportunities to Hayden Christensen or if he just kind of decided to go for his like almost Tobey Maguire-esque evil <laughs> emo thing yeah. here. Um, you even get some shots inside the cockpit, like looking out, uh, like inside Anakin's cockpit. And then it, like he kind of looks over at R2, like out of the side, like pretty cool shots. Yeah. Well, and and... You can tell that even when they get to that little throne room thing, they choreograph that fight. I mean, like they they have an idea of what's going on out there in those behind those windows. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, R two gets a lot more to do than he has in the whole prequels. In this, yeah, they give him the whole scene with the super battle droids. That's good. I mean, 
don't yeah, know. It was, it it's, was excellent. Was you, it's you're a Star like, Wars movie. You can't make it too serious. You know? He's one of those non-human characters like Yoda that you just you just fucking eat up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, so like him, like his, like if R2 was the hero of these movies, you know, it'd be over in the first film, possibly. Um, but yeah, you get to elevator, they get up to the little throne room and Palpatine and Count Dooku shows up. Take Count Dooku out. Pretty much like a total bitch. Sith Lords are our speciality. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> you faced like what one before and you lost. What I what I love about like Obi Wan is he she seemingly has no fear at all. Mm-hmm. Like at, at any point when he should be like shitting his pants or his tunic or his little robes, he, mm-hmm. he has no fear at all. Also, I want to comment that we haven't talked about the the previous movie, but uh, Hayden Christensen continues the weird backsaber. Uh, backwards lightsaber technique that oh, yeah. like David Prowse used for Darth Vader in the original trilogy. Well, he's left-handed, but he has his hand in the wrong spot. Like, if you're whatever hand you are, you know, you're gonna have that hand on top of the other, and he does it backwards, which would make it much harder to swing your lightsaber. <laughs> but Hayden Christensen does that in these two movies, which I just thought was interesting. Um. Anyway, so yeah, the Dooku gets his, his hands cut off and then his head, which I think tells you what kind of movie this is going to be. Especially I really like the way he bounce away. The way he somehow grabs Dooku's hands and then like sweeps his lightsaber through them. Like, yeah. that was an interesting move to cut both of Dooku's hands off. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you actually get to watch his head bounce away. And they do it in a way in which it's not blatantly obvious, but it's not invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kill him now. I shouldn't <laughs> do it. Um, which I feel like they, they could have played more resonance between that moment and the stuff of Mace later. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, oh, I feel like I had more issues with uh, uh, Anakin's downfall. Yeah, I've got some, than I did initially. I've got some thoughts on it. There's just some small things they could have done here and there to uh, make it a little better. Yeah, make it more organic. Um mm-hmm. uh, the his fate will be the same as ours lines. I just wrote that comes off a little mm-hmm. stiff. But a lot of these lines yeah. are close. You just can't get held up on that kind of stuff. That's, that's like some the Star Wars ships. dialogue there, yeah. Yeah. I like that the two ships fight side by side, like firing cannons at each other like old like nautical warfare. Yeah. yeah. That was so cool. It's like they had to get um, really close to each other, yeah. I like yeah, that yeah. they had like this like giant ass guns that had like they were like ejecting cartridges and stuff. Uh, that yeah. was, those are some cool shots. The, the effects work in this. I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way now. I still think these are the best effects works we see in a movie. Period. Uh, some people may make the argument for Avatar, I guess. I disagree. I still think the effects work in this are better than anything else we've seen. Well, because it's not flashy, too. It's not... Well, no, uh, really, especially with the um, the Coruscant scenes, like they really figured out... Like I think they made some sort of breakthrough with like light refraction when they're doing the Coruscant mm-hmm. stuff because the light has like a haze to it like you'd expect to see in a city. Yeah. Um it just looks absolutely real. Like even you know like it compare the shots of Coruscant and this to the ones in in Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones and you'll see the difference. Like it yeah. just looks so real. Like the the way the light refracts and and everything like I was just really impressed with that even the first time I saw it. I was like wow, they they obviously went to the next level and whatever they're doing to render these shots. I, I'm trying to remember the line here. The light, it doesn't quite scatter right. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, and I think Phantom Menace, like, they couldn't really do Coruscant at night, which is why it was a big deal to get into, like, that noirish aspect, that chase and, and Attack mm-hmm. of the Clones. Um, one of my notes, and again, I'm going to go into a whole thing on this later, I think, but why continue to specifically make the battle droids? Because the, the super battle destroyers, <laughs> yeah, the droid cars, the little guys, are, like the glow stick, the glow stick bros who chill General Grievous, like, all of those guys are, like, shockingly more effective. Like, Maybe it's like just super, super cheap to make battle droids. Yeah, it's like really, it's like these guys suck. I mean, you know, you're just their cannon fodder, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess they're just like throwing like, I don't know, 500 of these at every like, uh, <laughs> clone trooper or Jedi, hoping they'll slow them down. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, Grievous and his like minions there, I dug them. I mean, some people are annoyed about a droid that laughs and costs, but I, I was digging that whole sequence. I liked Grievous. He's kind of like cowardly. Yeah, well, see, that was the only thing that kind of their their marketing kind of stuff fell down. I think is because they really built him up in in their like their cartoons and things mm-hmm. and stuff. The little like yeah, yeah, official yeah. legend to be this badass. He could take on like seven like Jedi at once, and then that's really not the case in a way. Like he he, he came off legitimately like like scary. I think in his initial encounter with Obi Wan, and then I don't know like. It kind of went up and down on the scale yeah. of like badass to just like overly cowardly. One thing I think they could have cut or redone is the whole thing where they get like trapped in like the ray shields or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's like his line, like, why did this happen? We're smarter than this. It's like, yeah, apparently you we are. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is this scene in the movie? You know, I don't know. I guess they just wanted a way to get them into Grievous's thing captured. I, I thought it could have been done better. I think they could have played it more like this was a plan. You know, yeah, or, or just something to make them not look like idiots. Uh, but I did like the scene on the the bridge where uh, I like the the robot guys with their like I don't know like pike staffs, force pikes, or whatever those are. Um, those yeah. guys are fun. I could have yeah. I could have easily like seen a lot more of those guys. Like if the Jedi <laughs> were fighting those guys the whole time instead of battle droids be much more entertaining well she like that he cuts off one of their heads he starts to walk away and the thing mm-hmm. gets back up <laughs> well that's like that's like a, a classic kind of star warsy moment you know or it's like yeah they they have the reveal you know it's like you think you know it's going to happen there but then they've got a little extra to, to throw on yeah. yeah yeah i really like that scene um and then the the crash landing was cool that was classic um you finally felt like you kind of yeah. gone that little like that they had fire pilot vibe they had like the the fire ships that would uh like surround the ship and like spray water on it yeah. that was interesting um right around then is when i stopped listening to the commentary but it was funny is when they're crash landing on the uh the landing field there and they take out that tower mm-hmm Rick McCallum chimes in and says that there was probably only two to three hundred people working in that tower. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I always kind of thought to myself when you see that shot. It's like, ooh, sucks to be those guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, but then they, they even do the shot where it's like uh, they hold the the camera, like seeing the the ship come at him all the way in through the viewport. You see the yeah. the actors yeah, inside. And it's that. really well composited. It's not like it doesn't look like, oh, yeah, this is one of those shots where they obviously composited some shit in there that didn't happen, you know? Well, it's a great way for them to end that sequence, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, then they go to they go to do, like, the press tour or whatever. Uh, we get to possibly my one of my favorite moments ever from these 
prequels, which is uh, Anakin talking about he's saved Obi-Wan skin for the 10th time, and Obi-Wan yeah. clarifies ninth time that business on Kato Pneumonia doesn't doesn't count. Yes. You know, I gotta say, like, I, I kind of have this on with the sound off in the background. Um, uh, some of these shots are freaking incredible. I almost feel like it's like you can't even really process them on first viewing when you're like engaged in the story and everything. Like yeah. these shots where it's like uh, the pilot of one of those fire ships, like looking out the window. Like mm-hmm. those are just really impressive shots. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like you could probably zoom in mm-hmm. if you had the technology, and you would see incredible detail there. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so then you get the return of Jimmy Smith. Yes, Jimmy Smith is back. Uh, no huge uh, turtleneck this time. I guess he successfully like fought that parasite off. <laughs> he fought that rebellion on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, then Anakin and Padme, which may be the worst kept secret romance ever. Yeah, I know. Like, who who doesn't know about that? And you would think, like, a, a senator who's pregnant, there'd be at least a little bit of, uh, like, interest mm-hmm. from the press on that, it's you a, know? Like, like who's the dad? Yeah. I mean, if the Jedi are keeping an eye on Palpatine, you think they'd have a file on everyone in the Senate? I don't know. Maybe they thought that the father of Padme's baby was disgruntled spice miners. Yes. I'm sure that's what their intelligence said. <laughs> um, the reactions to the pregnancy announcement are very bizarre. Yeah, uh, Anakin looks all weird. By the way, and um, obviously they didn't do this, but what would you be your feeling if they did throw in not like a full-on love triangle, but maybe a little bit of Obi-Wan's into Padme or, or something like that? Rewatching this now, taking these notes, mm-hmm. kind of doing this in the same vein, which we've done the last two, like every single scene they have together, Padme brings up Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> It's there. <laughs> I guess he kind of wanted to be more like, maybe there was some attraction there, but Obi-Wan is like a Jedi, so he's, you know... You know, nothing's obviously going to happen because Obi-Wan's going to be the good Jedi, but Anakin isn't. Well, he, like, he's going to do it backwards with no eye contact because yeah. he doesn't want a connection. Yeah. Something where, like, Obi-Wan's playing the straight lace one and he kind of knows and, like, maybe a little bit of resentment going on there. Like, I don't know. I yeah. felt like they could have done a little bit more with that dynamic. Not a full-on love triangle, but just, you know, a, a place for Obi-Wan to be resentful of Anakin, you know? Yeah. Well... Yeah, I mean, because it seems like Obi-Wan is very happy-go-lucky, very carefree. Um, I don't, Obi-Wan is, is fascinating in these prequels because he, like, he hates flying. He hates certain levels yeah. of action. Like, he loves anything that where he, he's not, like, physically doing something. Like, he doesn't like piloting, but he likes, like, flipping around and, like, fighting Grievous while he's surrounded by 500 droids. Like, he, he digs that kind of stuff. He's very... Well, he has that scene later. It's just like Anakin is the father, isn't he? Yeah. Ugh, dumb bitch. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, because it'd be inter- it'd be fun to entertain that notion, that kind of what if scenario. But then you're thinking, like, well, how old was Obi Wan on Naboo during the Phantom Menace when she was like 14? Then again, he has a beard. Yeah. Obi Wan's like grass on the field, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, the master Padawan relationship involves a lot of sharing. Mm-hmm. Anakin, if you're going to be a Jedi. <laughs> uh, anyway, so then uh, Grievous goes to Utapu, Utapa. Utapa. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I really like that scene. The The music in that scene is really excellent. The General Grievous gets off his ship and, and goes to talk to Sidious. 
I love the way Sidious says, Mustafa. <laughs> it's like he's just, like, they just paused his, like, that last syllable and just held it. Mustafa. Um, I love that Sidious is so absolutely assured of Anakin's fall. And, and rewatching this now and, and, like, being, like, kind of amazed by that line, like, he really is playing Anakin for a fool, like, every second yeah. of this film. Yeah, Anakin, really, like, Palpatine, he may be an evil genius, but he's not having to work too hard. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this scene with, uh, it's like they're at, they're at Padme's place, uh, which is like, they're like out on the balcony, so obviously, like, paparazzi don't exist in the Star Wars universe, you know? Yeah. And she's, like, uh, combing her hair, even though it's super curly. And they're just having this back and forth, like, oh, it's because I'm in love with you. Oh, no, it's because I'm so in love with you. Like, that's pretty terrible. Like, the the whole scene is very we stiff. don't we don't um, buy it we don't buy that you guys are in love at all we we're pretty sure that Padme's thinking about Obi Wan the whole time because she keeps bringing him up yeah well so I have three lines of notes for this which is the first the first note is their conversation about love when I put that in quotes mm-hmm. is odd yeah um the scene starts off with Anakin resuming his full on creepy staring <laughs> at his wife yes yes and when she turns around Natalie Portman does not look great in that scene to me. No, she doesn't. It's like she's not wearing makeup. Maybe that was the idea, but um, but you know, like I distinctly remember that before they started filming *Revenge of the Sith*, uh, Nellie Portman made some comment about how in the press about how it's not fun to film these movies with the level of effects work that an actor has to deal with, mm-hmm. and you just—it's kind of like when another like actor got a DUI on Lost and then they died six <laughs> months later on the show. You kind of wonder if George was just like thinking, "Fine, bitch." All right, we'll see how you like this scene. Any- yeah. Any line you like, I'll give it to Mace Windu. See how you like that. Yeah. And, you get, and then you get this dream sequence. It's like the only dream sequence that is ever... Well, like, you can make the argument that there was a, a Luke in the cave in, in uh, Dagobah, but it's just really weird. Like, there's like a, a circular blur around everything where it's like Padme's dying. Um, yeah. I felt like they could have done a little bit better job in like how Padme was dying at the end. Yeah. Uh, Anakin has heavy-duty dreams. Yeah. Also, I think it's interesting that she mentions that she'll be thrown out of the Senate by the Queen if she has a kid. She does? I didn't even catch that. Well, she's, when she talks about having the kid, she says, I'm like, the Queen will probably not let me serve in the Senate anymore. It's pretty uh, non-progressive society she's got going on there. Like, they'll yeah. elect a 12-year-old girl to be a uh, Queen, but she can't get pregnant at any point or it ends her career. Yeah, yeah, really. But somehow she's kept this thing a secret, you know, even though she's, you know, you know super pregnant. I mean, mm-hmm. like, how many baggy clothes? I, oh, I guess looking at her, her experience of fashion, maybe it's yeah. not, like, that hard to keep that secret. I, I would think anyone who ran into her would be like, yeah, it's starting to show. Uh, really cool <laughs> shot. C-3PO. Yeah. Really cool shot of them, like, when, when he has this dream and he wakes up and goes outside and, it, like, I mean, what is this, like, the most expensive uh, address in all of Coruscant? I mean, this, this, this like, penthouse she has is freaking amazing. I mean, she's got this, like, outdoor thing with, like, columns and a fountain. It's just looking at the entire city. What I find fascinating about a lot of the architecture in Coruscant is that there's a lot of sections that have no doors, no walls. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like they have the atmosphere so completely controlled. I presume the temperature is so completely controlled. I mean, like parts of that stuff with the uh, the Senate and where Palpatine's office is. I mean, there's there's like an open air thing that leads 
directly into the heart of the building. There's no doors or anything there. Um, anyways, in that sequence, yeah, she brings up Obi-Wan yet again, and Anakin's, (laughs) like, manhood is visibly threatened. Oh, she is wearing the little necklace thing he gave her. That was a good touch. At least they brought that back. And you see that a couple more times. And he kind of smiles at it when he sees it. Um, creepy smile of his. But yeah, the Coruscant stuff, it's like, in the first movie, they really just wanted to make it look not fake. And now they're like, they can stretch their imagination and imagine like, what would the most awesome penthouse in Coruscant look like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And she's theoretically not even on the take. So yeah, I know. you got to imagine what the other real estate looks like. Uh, so then Anakin has a little counseling session with Yoda. You think that Yoda would want to bring up some of Anakin's past issues? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that time he killed all those sand people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the Jedi, don't, they don't come off too well in any of these movies. They're kind of dumb. Uh, dumb. At least they're starting to get concerned about the Chancellor. Um, but seemingly making a fatal error and like trying to like use Anakin as their like sole conduit to get information on the Chancellor when yeah. they 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 already know that uh, the Chancellor is like really obsessed with Anakin anyway and spends a lot of time yeah. with him. Yeah, what's well, th- there's an interesting sequence there where Anakin goes to join Obi Wan in some kind of briefing room, which to mm-hmm. me it felt like this scene was solely there to kind of echo the briefing room from Return of the Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan mentions, you know, you missed you missed this thing because you were late. And uh, uh, Palpatine seemingly called for you, <laughs> wants, yeah. wants you to come see him. You need to chillax on your Palpatine love. Um, and then they go see Palpatine and tells him he wants to put him on as his personal representative on the Jedi Council. It's like suddenly Palpatine has that power. Like, why are they even... I mean, I know they want Anakin to spy, but it's... Oh, I mean, I, I guess I took it to be like, it's like this isn't something that he can really do. But, like, they don't want to force a confrontation, you know? And so they're kind of going to meet him halfway and put him on the council, but not make him a master. Yeah, take that, Anakin. And he kind of freaks out a little bit when that's decreed to him. Yeah, like, simmer down. Like, settle down, Anakin. Like, you're, what, 22? Like, you're not a master yet. Like, I don't know. Obviously, that scene shows Anakin's thoughts and whatnot. It does seem like we wanted at least one other scene of Anakin like wanting more power than he should. Cause he like, he says that later on, he's just like, I'm not the Jedi. I'm supposed to be, I want more, you know, like we needed to see that at some point before then, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think they're, they're, um, they're, they, this is the line that, you know, Anakin, you have to understand that Obi-Wan, your, your master here, like he doesn't look like it, but he's actually 65. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took him forever but something, to the something where Anakin's being overruled and something other to, to do than with himself, you know? Yeah. Like it's but, like uh, he's it's like he's just mad because he doesn't get to go on the mission. Like if it was some sort of decision being made that wasn't affecting him personally, but they didn't like take his input seriously or something like that, you know, that I think that would have helped right. out. But uh in the previous scene, Palpatine manages to drive this massive wedge between Anakin and the Jedi in like four sentences. I know. Like, I, there's a version of this movie out there that I would like to see where Palpatine never really even has to like lift a lightsaber because like 
seemingly mm. everyone around him is what is the line from Spaceballs? Evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Yes, it's true. Um Oh, so yeah, then I, I had to look at, I'm like, who funds the Jedi? Like, where did they get their funds from? Like, you know, starships and what have like you. they just have, like, a massive endowment or something. Like, they own a lot of land that they collect rents on. <laughs> the Jedi are brought to you by the, like, the Robert Johnson Wood well, like, Foundation um, or whatever. You know, like, the, the University of Texas, for instance, they have a, a huge land endowment, you know, that hmm. they, or, like, Harvard, for instance. Like, those... They have these huge endowments that they, you know, make money off of, uh, and that's what funds the school, other than you know tuition, say. Hmm. And like admission to sports games like, and stuff like that. Yeah, something like when you know, like when they when Texas became a state, they gave all this land to the university. You know, it's like all right, well, hmm. this these these lands will fund the university. Um, so could be something like that where the Jedi, you know, maybe just you know, have a lot of, you know, some sort of blind trust or something, a huge endowment that that's what's funding them. I mean, it'd be hard to imagine that they're like a line item in like the Senate's budget, you know, because then like, then they'd have to play politics constantly, you know, would that be like, would that be like a third rail? Like nobody touches the Jedi budget, you know, or something like that. (laughs) Um, I like that Keanu Mundi's hologram is perfectly mapped to his lounge chair. Yes. Yeah. Which is not. A, <laughs> I love that completely not, bizarre detail. Yeah. The, which is not like a normal sized chair at all. Because um, mm-hmm. he he sits way back in that thing. But the way they handle the mapping, I know this is a, such a minor detail, but like later on when uh, uh, when Yoda's on Kashik, it's very strange because he's sitting with the the Wookies, looking at the projection of the Jedi Council on like a they sit down mm-hmm. table tablet thing in front of him. But like he's mapped as if he's sitting in one of the chairs. Yeah, they just put and him so in his chair. So when they cut back, when they cut back to the Jedi Council, he's like looking over at his you know fellow Jedi as if they're sitting right next to him. <laughs> but the perspective would be all wrong, you know. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's hard to drive me nuts. Um, I do like the shot where they're it's Mace, Obi Wan, and Yoda flying in a gunship, which I like how the Jedi just like appropriate those gunships. Like they just fly everywhere in them yeah. now, you know, with like yeah. surrounded by clone troopers constantly. Um, I almost feel like they were too subtle with that. Like the showing how militarized the Jedi had become. Um, they had like the great shot where like Yoda kind of rubs his head as he's thinking. Oh yeah. I had that written down too. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely, I absolutely love that, that thing of the old, like, I think I remember that they took that directly out of one of their favorite, like samurai movies. It's either it that works. or a uh, like a um, apocalypse now thing or something. Yeah. Um, but also, there's one line. There's a lot of lines in this movie that I would I would pay to see like the backstory on. But good relations with the Wookies I have. <laughs> I want to see that expanded universe novel. Yeah. Well, I I feel like the the audience is like Wookies thumbs up. Yoda likes the Wookies double thumbs up. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Well, like it's like you almost root for the non-human characters so mm-hmm. much more strongly than you do for the human ones. Um. So Obi Wan asks Anakin to spy on the Palpatine. It kind of seems reasonable. What doesn't seem reasonable is that their conversation with just these two guys, which is mm-hmm. the smallest, most minute version of what obviously the larger Jedi, you know hierarchy mindset must be is but the conversation fringes on the very edge of suspecting and palpatine to basically be a sith <laughs> or a threat of equal value yeah they never quite go there foolishly yeah yeah um 
But yeah, the uh, that the battleship like makes Mundo Yoda, Obi Wan, bro down. These guys are obviously the the council. Like Keanu Mooney's been pushed out. Yeah, yeah, he's like sent off to wherever um, to lead a charge and then get shot in the back. But yeah, the uh, the you you'd think that like Obi Wan's like profile has gone like way up, you know. I mean, you know, we, yeah. we talked about in the last episode how like maybe Obi Wan is like the most competent of the Jedi, except for maybe Anakin. So maybe that's why it's like. You know, off screen, he's been a super awesome general. Yeah, yeah. But, uh. I mean, they pick him to lead the battle against Grievous, you know? Which, you know, again, like, they've done their cartoons and stuff, which have obviously been officially sanctioned by Lucasfilm, which obviously doesn't really mean anything. They're not quite official, but, you know, they are. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, four or five Jedi go against Grievous and they all get their asses handed to them. So, like, why wouldn't they send Anakin, you know, with him? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I love that that thing of Yoda rubs his forehead. I feel like you got more acting weight mm-hmm. not gesture you got a lot from hayden christensen in these movies i'm sad <laughs> to say yeah yeah well I, I think from the beginning it was weird casting not that hayden christensen's a bad actor but it's kind of strange casting the way they have him play his character is really bizarre you know like they make him out to be this weird creeper yeah yeah well it's just he's like uh like a man boy and yeah yeah well and speaking um, of uh hating on natalie portman like i don't know like the makeup people or whatever there's another scene after the, the Yoda Obi-Wan May scene where she's wearing some kind of weird skull cap and she kind of has the Princess Leia buns. Like, another terrible look for her. <laughs> she's not doing too well so far. She's like, yeah, Obi-Wan, really... I don't want to hear about Obi-Wan. Well, then they get their whole, like, the war makes you talk crazy conversation. This war represents a failure to listen. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, can you please ask your friend, the chancellor, to to you know pursue democracy? And he jumps up. Don't ask me to do that. Yeah, no, he like totally flips out. This is just a odd domestic situation between these two. I like their weird opera, the opera house. It's on like this weird globe, like up hanging over the city. Well, yeah, the design of that's pretty that cool. Great introduction of, of Anakin running through the opera house up to the the, the chancellor's like you know special private box. Yeah, but that shot looks there's amazing. Some, there's some sexy alien babes at that opera. Yes, there are. And like fancy, fancy like nighttime outfits. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, uh, you get your George Lucas cameo. The exterior shot there is also completely incredible. Yeah. You get your, your George Lucas cameo there as Baron, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the scary bald lady of Palpatine? Is that like his special lady friend? I don't think so. I don't know. I'm sure she's in the Wikipedia, but I don't think she's anyone important. It's like an Who's aide or something. Okay, so that's what I was thinking. Is like, are all these people just like his executive assistants? Because it's never good when your only friends are your coworkers. That's, yeah, that's the path to dark side, right there. It's not like Palpatine ever has a special lady, you know. Yeah, he just pumps his release into something else. Yeah, going um, to watch like the space Cirque du Soleil here. <laughs> the one bubble is going to rub up against the other bubble, and they're both going to pop while people sing. It's it's just, you, you have to understand. It's just, you have to understand Italian. Um, so Palpatine actually says to him, "Search your feelings in that sequence," which is you know Sith move, bro. Mm-hmm. And then he just starts talking about the Sith. Yeah, yeah. Darth Plagueis and the Dark Side, Sith move, bro. Also, Anakin's done. Yeah, Anakin's really done. Oh, like, it's just like this suggestion that, like, oh yeah, there's like a rumor of some Sith bro who could like not die, uh, and Anakin's just like sounds totally legit. <laughs> like, wait, like he's talking about it like it's like 
like almost common folklore or something. Mm-hmm. But it makes me like wonder, like, what do people in the Republic actually think of the Jedi and the Sith and all their silly little power struggles? Mm-hmm. Like when, Probably when, just annoyed. When like Palpatine takes over as Emperor later, and seemingly by New Hope, everyone is aware that Darth Vader is a Sith Lord, that he is from the dark side. Which, you know, it's right there in the name. Yeah. This is the dark side. Like, it, I don't know. Um... So then you get the Kashik, where everything Kashik is looks cool. Kashik like, just looks so awesome. Uh, you got yeah. the the clone troopers and their like commando outfits with camo, which that was like always a joke about uh, Return of the Jedi is that like why are those stormtroopers all in like these bright white uniforms in the jungle? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you get the the like little overheard like digital like, weird weirdly mapped hologram council scene um, mm-hmm. where. Seemingly, everyone on the council is in attendance, but only three people vote on the matter of sending <laughs> Obi-Wan after Grievous. I'm amazed that anyone actually votes on anything in the Jedi Council, but three people voted. Well, it's not, all this question else. of, like, who's in charge? Because, like, Yoda seems like he's, like, the, the kind of elder statesman of the council, but May seems to be the one who's actually in charge, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so then you go to just excellent sequences of Wookiees in battle. Yeah. Um, well, you know the laser um, crossbows. Yes, the uh, what's it called? Uh, bowcasters, some of the cool weapons. Oh, interesting. Um, in the uh, in the expanded universe, Luke is they eventually they call him the Grand Master of the Jedi. Um, hmm. I don't believe they have any sort of Grand Master here in the prequels, and like I don't think that's what Mace is supposed to be or anything like that. Mace Windu is the Grand Wizard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the Kashyyyk fight scene is just. It's just pure awesomeness. Um, it's kind it, of tragic, though, because it's actually uh, commencing on Life Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got Wookiees. You have, like, they're kind of, like, weird, uh, like, little flying ships with wings or something. Um, I like how they always have, like, a stormtrooper in the background just, like, watching things with binoculars. Yeah. Oh, I love it. At one point, the like the laser thing comes up on the little balcony where Yoda is. He has to, like, step aside. <laughs> It's kind of like this perturbed look on his face, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then again, I know it's like, why don't they send Anakin along with Obi-Wan after Grievous? Um, so she, like, again, they've sent so many Jedi's after him en masse, and that they've all died. Like, But Obi-Wan is apparently just the bro. He's the guy you count on. Yeah. Um, so Anakin has another dream, and this time Obi-Wan appears in the dream, uh, like fingering his <laughs> wife while she gives yeah. birth. Anakin's getting even more annoyed. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, though, he's like touching himself as he has that angry dream. Um, then he wakes up and it's like he can smell Obi-Wan like, like on the furniture of their apartment or something. Yeah. It's like, why do you smell like Obi-Wan's cologne? <laughs> like, ooh, the Jedi. <laughs> ooh, to man of action and maybe a little bit of booze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you smell like whiskey? Was Obi-Wan here? <laughs> I like how Obi-Wan, you know, he has this whole battle group he's in charge of, but he's just like, I'm going to go on ahead. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you are the leader. You know, I, I realize that you like to be a man of action and all, but shouldn't you stay with your battle group instead of going well, on I was, alone? I was thinking about that myself. I was thinking about having that conversation with you, and I figured you would counter and say that, you know, maybe they have to gather their troops or whatever, but I thought that they really wouldn't, though. Like, you know, they, they should all be pretty much ready to go. They had time shouldn't, to prepare on the At the, the very journey. least, shouldn't he bring a commando team with him? You know, like a small yeah. one. 
Like Commander Cody and all those guys, yeah, just yeah, yeah. just in case something happens to Obi Wan, you know, no, it's in like a single person. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So my last note on that one thing is beyond the cre- creepy to mess situation. Anakin is a greedy bitch. He's greedy for power. Yes. Um, the leader of it's not the Jedi. He should be. Pronounce the name of the planet again. Utapa. The leader of Utapa. Um, who I love that guy's look is the same guy. Who played the mouth of Soren? So is it actually the pause? same actor? Mm-hmm. Bruce Spence. Do you want to go back okay, and like stare at his teeth for half an hour? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's an interesting point because he does have kind of weird teeth here, but the camera yeah. doesn't focus on them for a half hour while yeah, he like yeah. does gross. But things I really them. like his look, and they threw a shot of him into the trailer, which I mm-hmm. thought was smart. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Who the fuck is that guy?" Oh yeah, because like he looks just super duper evil, and he's not mm-hmm. seeming. Yeah, I probably cheats on his wife, but you know, in the movie, he's, he's not that yeah, good. yeah. I like these uh, these weird little shrimpy looking dudes who like uh, fill him up. I don't know. I think yeah. th- I think they're supposed to be like the uh, the natives of the planet or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. Ewan McGregor's great in these films. Obi Wan is pretty badass in his fight with Grievous. Um, I like how they have the uh, uh, the two fingers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, before that, I like how um, the uh, I don't know what those guys are called. They probably have a name like Grievous is like henchmen. Like one of them is like watching Obi Wan show up down below. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I love how they wear capes. Like it's completely nonsensical. You know, yeah. the droids would be wearing like these capes, but it looks really cool. Well, they're, and they're kind of they hang off to one side too. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah. Like that's just like a cool look. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I love that Grievous has a cape that he has to like unhook the straps before <laughs> he goes in the fighting. Everyone has another new droid. This one is like copper looking. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about how the uh, bus droids like tore the head off of yeah. his previous droid. <laughs> well, see, you know, if they'd done what I said and killed R four in uh, in the arena scene in the previous one, it'd be like a running joke about how everyone's droids never last. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, oh, and they also put like the the old school New Hope Obi Wan robe on, where he's yeah. Got- it's like the the super big hood, you know. Um, and then he just starts riding uh riding this weird uh animal thing. I love the sound that thing makes. I know it's weird, but I I love it. I I couldn't even begin to like like mimic it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he finds Grievous, and he's just like you know looks around. There's a thousand battle droids down there. All right, I like these odds. He just jumps yeah. down. Yeah. He but he. He drops down, and it's like no one's seen him for a moment, and he has this like delight, like he's about to, like, he's like trying to think like what quip. And then he, <laughs> well, he goes well, to the, the classic hello there. <laughs> he takes his robe off. It's like he surveys the scene. He's trying to think of the best strategy. I'll just jump right down in the middle of him. He's got a lot of he, he he's copied um uh Alec Guinness's the like stroking of the beard, the mm-hmm. wise stroking of the beard, which looks excellent. Um. All right. So then you have another Jedi Council scene, which oh, we're, is... I think we're we're skipping the part where his uh, the henchman droids attack, and Obi Wan just like drops a thing on all of them and kills him. Yeah, yeah. And then he gesture. he does the thing where he's kind of spinning the lightsaber around and casually cuts one of their heads off. Like, yeah, and it works this time. Doesn't mm-hmm. get back up. Yeah. Um. So you get the Jedi Council scene, which even more so than the old folks' home from last time, um, is completely holographs, seemingly. Like, mm-hmm. what a great metaphor that they're all, like, ghostly, ineffectual, 
you know, like no <laughs> presence at yeah. all. They're just they're just mouths talking. Yeah. Um, the line, the dark side surrounds Chancellor Palpatine. Maybe he's a Sith Lord, <laughs> yo. Maybe. Um, and then I was fascinated by the Jedi will take control of the Senate. How? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I really in the scene where uh, Grievous fights Obi Wan, they they start to like zoom in really close on the faces the two of them. Like, there's some cool shots there. Uh, yeah, like on the eyes. Well, like yeah, like I think there's a lot of promise for where Grievous, what kind of villain Grievous could have been. Like, if you had another movie for him, mm-hmm, just with mm-hmm. those weird eyes of his, like the way you see that little bit of whatever his actual biological head is underneath that yeah. headpiece. Well, no, Obi-Wan, I like how he has to kind of like he waits, he times it just right. Sticks his lightsaber in and like somehow like blocks all the blades at once, you know? Yeah. Well, like manages to cut off two of his hands as he's doing that spinning thing. Mm. I was just like, God, like if I had a camera on my face in the midnight showing when I watched this movie, <laughs> you would have just seen my face frozen in this like expression of glee. Like you'd have been making that open, like that like open. jizz face that Frodo makes in uh, all the Lord of the Rings movies. It, it would be the uh, the Snape like my body is ready. Thing. <laughs> that's how i watched yeah revenges which i have a revelation about that as we get to it but um yeah. so then the next time you see like anakin and palpatine he has the line to palpatine more and more i get the feeling that i've been excluded from the council mm-hmm. which is like because he missed one meeting yeah <laughs> well before that i just want to point out like in the middle of the grievous fight uh like the stormtroopers or you know the clone troopers all show up and like they all like rappel down at once. Like that's a pretty cool little action sequence there. Or like suddenly yeah. it's like crazy battle going on. Yeah, yeah. And then uh and then they like they just both ride like straight off the cliff. Like <laughs> they just go like straight down almost, it seems, like in that chase scene. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> it's like it's like dizzying to follow them, you know, is it just like it's like they just ride straight down the side of the thing, pretty much. You gotta just like that's the, that's everyone's that kind of guy. He'll just ride his horse off yeah. a cliff in the, this western, yeah. <laughs> and that that poor creature, uh, like later on when he gets like, like thrown off that cliff because mm-hmm. the the clones firing at him, like Obi Wan climbs out of that lake later, but mm-hmm. his little wizard yeah. pet doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then you get. The start of something special, which Palpatine finally reveals himself to Anakin. And Anakin's just like, holy shit, you know the dark side, even though we just discussed this at the opera? <laughs> well, I like how, I do like the way he pulls out his lightsaber. You know, it's like, that that should be the reaction there. You're a Sith, what the fuck? You know, lightsaber out. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, the dogmatic, narrow view of the Jedi is how... Mm-hmm how he put it and yet even though we find out later that only the sith deal in absolutes yeah whatever that means it's kind of kind of a that that statement on its own is an absolute but yeah yeah um but i like the uh what is palpatine's line it's like you know only by understanding the sith will you be able to save your wife from certain death and then he like gives this like super evil smile like that's a great line reading by uh, ian mcdermott there well, they, they play it so wonderfully ambiguous. Like, if they hadn't gone and done a book about it, which, as I understand from you, is terrible, like, you could have just kind of suddenly read Darth Plagueis the Wise as Palpatine revealing his origin. Mm-hmm. And it would work because it was so sly. You don't know. It could be this, could not be this. Um, same thing yep. with this sequence. When he talks about Padme dying, um, you're like, like, I think everyone kind of wanted a revelation that, that Palpatine was the father 
or that, that they're implying that some that sort of explanation Plagueis, for that. Yeah. Him and Plague just like wrangled up the midi chlorians to create Anakin. But then I remembered that, you know, in Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader could read Luke's thoughts. Mm-hmm. So presumably Palpatine could just pull pa- like Anakin's fears right out of his head right there in that moment. Yeah. But yeah, Anakin is just shocked, shocked that <laughs> Palpatine could be a Sith Lord. Um, but then you get like you get the 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 sole reason that you would cast an actor like Ian McDermott in this role because his just tremendous line reading of "I can feel <laughs> your anger" gives you focus, makes you stronger. It's like he's just like seducing those words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I don't know. I, I just I love the Sith thing where like harsh emotions are almost like a drug, quite possibly even like an aphrodisiac. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then, uh, then he had the part where Obi Wan defeats Grievous. I did like there was like kind of a foreshadow, and he's looking down at Grievous's body and like the burned innards, uh, kind of uh, foreshadowing what happens to Anakin later. You know, <laughs> he's that's so uncivilized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I love, I love that side by side chase between him, him and Grievous. Like that's, that's kind of what I wanted from Crystal Skull. Um, there's a level of of the old-fashioned fun to this this movie that I felt like is one of the few flaws I have about, like, Crystal Skull. Um, because the Obi-Wan and Grievous scene there, it's very Indiana Jones-esque to me. Mm-hmm. And I love that Grievous, like, these fire shooting out of his eyes as he dies. That was yeah. wonderful. Well, yeah. then he had the scene where Anakin, like, goes to, uh, goes finds Mace, and he's not like, holy shit, Mace, guess who the Sith Lord is? You know, he's yeah. just like, uh, hey, uh, so I think Palpatine's Sith Lord. Yeah, yeah, I, I have this specifically written down because he says, like, like Windu is busy with some people, and he says, "Master Windu, I must talk to you." And he waits for other people to leave when he really should be walking in and being like, "Sound the fucking alarm!" He should be like, "Tool up, everyone!" There's there should a be Sith like a Lord giant, in charge of the Senate. There should be like a giant red button that he hits, and like mm-hmm. an alarm and a klaxon goes off. Yeah. Well, and then uh, like, obviously, this is just like a plotting issue, but like. He starts talking, it's all one shot, or, you know, one scene, where he's talking to, to Mace, and he, and then Mace is like, alright, well, you're gonna stay here. And then Mace just goes and gets on a gunship to fly away. It's like, yeah. how did those other Jedi know to be there? Was he like, tell, you know, tell, communicating with them telepathically, you know, like, like yeah. they're already waiting for him to go on the mission to like, take down Sidious. Kit Fisto is just chilling on this gunship, just waiting mm-hmm. to do something. Like, he thinks they're gonna go out and get some, like, some drinks, but no. Mm-hmm. You gotta do a thing first. Yeah, if only Anakin could do as he's told, though. Yeah. Well, you do have the really this is a nice shot moment, uh, the sequence where Anakin's in the Jedi Council, uh, Padme's in her balcony apartment place, and they're just kind of like staring out at each other's buildings with like the creepy soundtrack. I did like that scene though. It was very interesting because they do a lot of parallels between those two, um, and so I feel like there's probably like they're staring at each other across that futuristic like alien cityscape and like yearning for each other. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like there's got to be like one of those numerous ridiculous like fan edits out there where like somewhere out there from American Tales playing <laughs> over that sequence. Um, but there's a lot of things I really like about Palpatine in this this sequence. Is when Mace Windu shows up and every and everything. His line before he whips out his red lightsaber, which you know sound the fucking alarm mm-hmm. but he just says so it's treason then yeah it's treason then 
<laughs> he has a red lightsaber and he's old, but he just does like this wacky flip like it's over like his corkscrew. Yeah, it's like a corkscrew uh, spin move or something. And I mean, those other Jedi should just be wearing like red shirts. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, he literally yeah. just runs one of them straight through who doesn't like Two do anything. Yeah, and then he cuts yeah. another one, and Kit Fisto lasts like three more seconds, and he's gone. I mean, yeah, he cuts to them like a hot knife through butter. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know there's supposed to be all this stuff in the, the the kind of novels and expanding universe about how Mace Windu is like like a master lightsaber wielder. You know, it's like he's studied all the different you know fighting forms and whatever. I mean, maybe most Jedi just really suck with a lightsaber. That's the only thing I can conclude. Because <laughs> yeah, they maybe. go down like a bitches. Yeah. <laughs> I like that it, the fight starts in, like, uh, uh, Palpatine's, like, private office and then goes to his more public office. I guess mm-hmm. the, the more public office is kind of like the, uh, the Republic version of the Oval Office. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so then Anakin walks in as Mason just saying, you are under arrest. And Palpatine starts like throwing lightning bolts at him. Well, I want, I want which, to point out that which, Palpatine's uh, it, it twists the downfall a little more. I don't know, inorganically. I thought. Yeah. Well, so, I want to point out that uh, Palpatine's lightsaber fighting style is just like stabbing. For the most part. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of stabs at everything. Through. Yeah. Uh, but so the the one detail I felt like they needed on this was a more concrete reason for anakin like we know that uh he doesn't want the chancellor to die because he might know a way to say padme but he almost wanted him to actually say you can't kill him like if he dies padme dies or something like that and then for mace to be like well if that's the will of the force and whatever you know like something where he like he really gives anakin that extra little reason you know yeah that would um that would be a good line but what i think you really want mace windu to say is who yeah or her <laughs> her yeah well, yeah just you, you got the he's a traitor no he's a traitor which is terrible yeah um, but yeah ah! you just you wanted that little extra of like why anakin is turning he's it's like he's realized that like the jedi just absolutely don't care about you know anything personal or something like that where it's like he's making and and after he makes his turn like he the way he plays it is he's like reluctant and you know it's just like I'll do what you want, you know. It's like you wanted to really like embrace it at that point, and like you know, have like an evil smile on his face, you know, or he's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I kind of like that he kind of had like the last moment of being human. the The problem is that later on he gets so self righteous when really it should be the way the movie plays it out to me by his actions that he should be guiltily covering it up mm-hmm, everything he's mm-hmm. done. Like he has to keep killing people. To cover up his secret, like a Padme. But um, rewatching this now, I get the impression that like Palpatine's life is never actually in danger, but he's yeah. willing to risk it just to play Anakin for the fool even more. Because mm-hmm. this whole like, oh, I'm so weak, I'm so powerless, <laughs> I have nothing left, and then as soon as Anakin cuts off Windu's arm, like he just flings that guy off a lightning bolt like it's nothing. Yeah, I, I did like it's like, oh no, help me! Like I don't know. Yeah. Unlimited power. I yeah. do think they went a little overboard with the makeup there. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's he's very he's very bloated. Like yeah. from the rest of the rest of the movie until we you know, until we see him in the, the original trilogy. Which I like that we do know when they talk about the Anakin's fall to the Dark Side as his destiny, we know that because we've seen the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've seen this in the future, but it's the past, but it's the future. Um, I like how Palpatine just names him Darth Vader. Right there, yeah. Yeah. 
Like you want the, the scene where like on the wall behind him is there like I don't know something that says Vader or something like that. Yeah. You'll be Darth uh, Vader. That sounds good. There's, a, there's already a guy down the hallway like chiseling that into the uh, the glass <laughs> part on the on the office door. Um. So are you ready for a revelation? Sure. I'm just telling you this. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast at home, do something else for a moment. The moment there where Palpatine knights Anakin as his apprentice mm-hmm. in the theater, midnight showing, I had a raging hard on. All right. No joke. Okay. I elbowed the guy next to me. I was like, check that out. And then it almost turned like a peewee thing. Um, <laughs> so then he, he like, <laughs> he's just been knighted. He's just killed Mace Windu. He's basically signed his, his fade away. And mm-hmm. so Palpatine's just like, well, only one person actually knew how to do this, but maybe together we can. Yeah. And Anakin's just like, you can't actually help me? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing where he's like, Anakin's like, all right, like, tell me, like, special, like, immortality power now. And, and Palpatine's like, yeah, you know, here's the thing. Like, this one guy, he knew how to do it. I don't, but I'm pretty sure if we work together, we can figure it out. Because Anakin's not like, what the science. fuck, man? Yeah. Fuck <laughs> you, too. See, Anakin could have killed him right then. Yeah. And then he could have blamed Mace Windu and everyone else's death on Palpatine, because it's not like they can dust for, like, lightsaber powder burns. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, so then uh, we talked about this. You had the Order 66 scene, which is cool. Um, but you and I talked about this before, that does Palpatine really need to personally speak to every single clone commander near a Jedi? Because <laughs> that seems like a lot of intergalactic phone calling. Unless they're yeah. all named Commander Cody. Well, I mean, I guess you have to do the math on how many Jedi are out on missions right now. I mean, still, yeah. that's probably like over 200, you know. But, uh, I really like the then, scene where the, the clone trooper like jumps on top of the spider droid thing and like shoots down in it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really cool, uh, battle scenes on Utapa. Well, I love how, how just like excited, like there's nothing held back in these clone troopers. They just mm-hmm. throw themselves at things. But then you have one of my other favorite Palpatine lines, which is, we shall have peace. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Um, and then we get to Kiara Moody's death scene. Well, yeah, you get to the the full on Order sixty six, uh, and this is a point where it's it's just like a, an effects highlight reel. Like the the different cities they show. Like I want to I want a scene on whatever city Kiara Moody's at because that planet looks freaking awesome. It's yeah. like all these like just big bridges. You know, Super spanning over yeah. things and it's like snowing. Like, just that little sequence is like, wow, that place is freaking awesome. You know, I haven't played a lot of the Clone Wars era uh, video games. I think I mm-hmm. played one for like five minutes, but I feel like whatever they're doing, the LucasArts guys are not living up to the potential these movies are delivering to them because mm-hmm. oh, I, I can see like a whole game set on that planet or what have you. Yeah, um, I want to go to that planet in one of the sequels because. That planet looks awesome. Like the design of it, with the bridges and the big cities, it's uh, it's like snowing. I love the way that like the the shot just focuses on the feet of the snowtroopers yeah. there as they stop, you know, and yeah. then they set up. Like I don't know. I love this whole sequence. It's a ton of I don't know if fun is quite the right word, but like it's it's like now like Star Wars finally feels like this huge galaxy. Like before, yeah. you know, like Phantom Menace is like all right, we got Naboo. We've got Tatooine and we've got Coruscant. And the second one, it's like, all right, we got like Camino, Mustafar, or not Mustafar, uh, Geonosis and Coruscant and, and Tatooine. And then this one is like, holy shit, we're going everywhere, you know? Yeah, there's like, there's like 10 planets at least that you touch mm-hmm. on here. Um, 
So never mind the fact that Keanu Mooney's death scene is actually kind of humorous, but which is even more humorous is like 20 seconds before that. All of these like 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 spins and twirls he's doing as he's leading the clone troopers <laughs> into battle. He is such a penis-headed ponce. <laughs> I really like how even the bridge is like it's all like like blown up and like parts yeah. of it are like yeah. exposed like girders and whatnot. Yeah, and then you get to the next planet in the montage, and I said to the DVD as I was playing, Ayla Sakura, how you doing, girl? Mm-hmm. You're looking fine. Uh, you know, I want to say that, like, they did something to bring her back somehow. <laughs> Expanded Universe, just because, you know, she's, like, popular they, among fanboys. They shoot her. They continue to they shoot, shoot her, her like, a hundred times. Over yeah. dead. The camera has to, like, pan away because they're not stopping shooting her. Like, mm-hmm. her corpse, when they were done, is just probably, like, burnt Swiss cheese. Yeah, under, whatever color she this, is. This is a cool planet too. It's all like vegetation and like huge mushrooms and yeah. fungi and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, she gets shot a lot. <laughs> um, uh, oh, I like the the cut to Yoda dropping the cane. Like, I don't know this this scene is like a, a really excellently done scene. I mean, it's this yeah. is as grim as you can possibly make it in a movie for kids, you know. Well, so. He senses that there, what's going to happen, like a half second before it happens, drops his cane, does this amazing flip where he like takes off both their heads at once with his lightsaber. <laughs> within within seconds, within mere like nanoseconds, the Wookiees are immediately totally on board with this new development. Yeah, well, they communicated quite a lot in their growls to each other. You know, they're just like, okay, the the paradigm yeah. has obviously changed. We got a new status quo. Let's do this thing. Um, I like the the planet where the Jedi's and the Starfighter gets killed. It's like there's these weird. They're kind of like bridges too, but it's like a city on a bridge, like suspended between two cliffs or yeah. something. Like, I don't know. They they got really creative in their like locales here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they I like that they bring back like an imagination to mm-hmm. to this. I mean, that's I think that's the thing that's always missing. Like what we talked about before with uh, uh, what was that game company Rockstar Games? Mm-hmm. When it's always a bad idea when you have the designers writing story. Yeah, but it's always a bad idea when you're when you're like effects designers have no imagination at all, mm-hmm. and obviously Lucasfilm they do. Um, so Anakin shows up at the temple and he kills the kids, which again you know it's timely. <laughs> yes, Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What do we do? And it's like <laughs> that like, kid could not be like more like pathetically innocently British in mm-hmm. his victimness. Um. And then Jimmy Smith shows up, ready to take matters into his own hands. <laughs> and so it is. <laughs> um, then cut back to Kashik. I could have easily done with five more minutes of the Wookiee saying goodbye to Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Like, there could have been like a 10 minutes <sighs> yeah, on, over on, and over like, again. Like, the expanded DVD or whatever. I would have just ate it up with a spoon. I just want you to imagine, like, it's Jimmy Smith. He's on the set. He's surrounded by blue screen. He's like, maybe there's just like the small platform that he's on. And he, he gives this reading. He's like, and so it is. And he's like, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> One of the PAs jumps on the platform and high fives him. Yeah. I like the um, shot of uh, Padme looking at the Jedi counts, uh, the Jedi uh, temple, like on fire. Yeah. Like freaking out over it. Well, like, why isn't everyone else on Coruscant freaking out? Seriously, you know what I mean? seriously. Like in New York, you look out across the the skyline there, and like the two towers are like smoking and collapsing. Well, be, like, I would be a little concerned. It'd be like if there was some giant building that like all the cops in New oh. York hung out in, and it was yeah. on fire. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, there's probably shouldn't there be like massive like looting and rioting? Uh, I don't know. Oh, we get to see Captain Antilles here, like on the uh, Tycho, the Tantive Four. But you also get Tycho later. Sorry, you Tycho oh, later. Ty- Tycho comes back, but uh, yeah. yeah, you yes. you finally you get the ship on the Tantive Four. You get the white walls that that Star Wars New Hope look. You know, it's like yeah. it's it's full on now. We're we're all the way back to that uh, design aesthetic. Um, so you get the second to last scene of, uh, Anakin and Padme together. And again, Padme brings up Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. C-3PO says he feels so helpless. Yeah. Um, Yoda and Obi-Wan storming the Jedi temple is wonderful. It's like this little throwaway, but it's like really cool. Like, uh, this- Yoda, like throwing his lightsaber. Yes. Yes. He throws in the guy's chest and he jumps on the guy's shoulders and pulls it out as the guy falls over dead. Mm-hmm. Because it's really like a little like like light dagger or whatever, but it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a cool thing. Um, the set is pretty weak. Uh, like this, so, this is how Liberty dies to thunderous applause. Yeah, um, yeah. Palpatine like the movie was very timely when it came out because Palpatine's like a raging neoconservative. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, they talk about safety and freedom and security a lot, and it's like they could have just dubbed in. Well, it's funny is because I'm I'm sure that uh, when Lucas was writing these, he, you know, was probably thinking mostly to like the 30s, you know, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. how he he in the the Roman Emperor and how he, how he framed this, but obviously it became very topical unintentionally, you know. Yeah, because yeah, when when Phantom Menace came out, I'm sure that there was some kind of version of this in his notes for what would mm-hmm. be Episode Three, but then you know, 9/11 happened, and. Like, it's like the world delivered itself to this ultimate state for him. Like, it's another thing, like, I would love to hear more about the original notes for uh, uh, what became The Dark Knight Rises from that original treatment, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, pre-Heath Ledger's passing. But also, like, the way the world kind of turned itself into this this thing where we should eat the rich and yeah, the 1% yeah. and all that stuff that tied in so sympathetically. Um I like all the shots of Anakin just like wailing on all the uh, separatist leaders. Yeah, yeah. Which they they clearly show like the burn marks, the scorch marks as he mm-hmm. cuts them. You know what I mean? It's not invisible because a lot of the the stuff in in some of the original trilogy was like invisible. Like someone gets slashed yeah. across the chest and they just throw themselves off screen. You never I mean, think about what that wound looks like. Obviously, if they were you know neither hampered by ratings or, or cared about their audience, like Anakin would be like covered in blood by the end of the scene. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like licking his lips, yeah. Um, so Obi Wan goes to we get destroy the Sith. We must. Obi Wan goes to visit Padme, and she is blatantly pregnant. Well, they and they they find out like in the hollow recording, you know, they can see that uh, you know all these younglings are dead from lightsaber blades, and it was Anakin. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they flip the the bid on like the beacon to tell Jedi to stay away. I kind of like that, like that that whole idea that it was like leading all the Jedi into a trap. And said yeah. they're like, stay away, you know, go into hiding. I feel like you see the seeds of, I mean, who knows if it'll ever actually happen now. Um, beyond the TV just, like, show. But like, you kind of see where like, you could do some really interesting stuff there. If you kind of, I don't know, like kept it as a Star Wars pulpy thing, but also kind of made it a little more serious. There's a lot of intrigue mm-hmm. and stuff you could do. Well, I mean, what I always got though is presumably it's Anakin who turns on that, that, you know, trap. Yeah. Uh, beacon but like once they've flipped it back couldn't anakin just come in and flip it again <laughs> well i guess they he'd have to know to check you know yeah i guess yeah and anakin as we've established is sort of dumb so he may yeah. not 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, the whole idea is it's pretty horrifying. Like, he's just, like, turned on his, uh, you know, his group. He's killed all the children, you know, like, raided the temple, set a trap for anyone, you know, that isn't killed by the clones. Like, like it's this crazy holocaust going on, you know? Yeah. Like, it's yeah. it's super grim. Yeah. Um. And to me, what I take out of it is his primary motivation here, though, is to cover up his own deeds. Mm-hmm. You know, and now he's just going to change the status quo to where he's a hero. Yeah. And not like a villain. Um, his full on evil emo mode. Yeah. Then, so, uh, after meeting with Obi Wan, Padme's going to take off to go meet Anakin. He gets a, basically a voiceover, a cameo from Captain Tycho. Well, I like that it's Typho, but, um, I like that, oh, Tyco, uh, sorry. Tycho's, uh, he's a X Wing pilot. Okay. I, I like the whole scene where Yoda is like, you need to go take out Anakin, and, and Obi-Wan's just like, I can't do it, you know, I can't kill him, uh, which kind of comes up later in how he fights him. Yeah. Well, he says, let me go after this, uh, this, let me go like, after he's Sith. like, you're not powerful enough. Yeah. He's just like, no. <laughs> no, bro. No. Um, so yeah, Padme goes to Mustafa, and Obi-Wan hides in the lavatory. <laughs> he's the father isn't he and he's like walks away like disgusted you know yeah. like that's where I really, you really wanted there to have been a little bit more between Obi-Wan and Padme you know like he walks up and just kind of like like touches her stomach for a minute and then just like shakes his head and walks off yeah mm-hmm. um, I liked the, the best moment for Natalie Portman the actor though in this movie to me is the moment where she lands on Mustafar and she kind of lingers in the she's cockpit for a second. There, yeah, inside. Like she's yeah, like like she's like rehearsing her like it's not you, it's me speech or what have you. Um, and then he runs up to her and he's just like, "Oh, I saw your ship," and it's like, "Well, no shit, it's crazy fucking shiny." Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think this is like the coolest incarnation of like the queen ship. You know. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it looks like a big boomerang. It's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um. Again, Anakin, it's like they're just playing this like he must have like the tiniest cock ever because he's just so insecure about well, everything. My favorite shot in this whole movie is where um, he says, like, I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. And then he looks up. He looks like beyond her up back at the ship. And yes, it's this really brief yeah. shot. It's like it's a less than a second long. It's just like Obi-Wan sitting there, standing there, hands on his hips, yes. like with this like dark look on his face. Like, that's such an awesome shot. Like. It just well, it communicates so much so quickly, you know. And he's willing to keep his space to allow them to have this moment to observe. I I love it while while he's doing the disapproving father look. But uh, yeah, I mean he yeah Obi or Anakin is basically saying like stop saying Obi Wan, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obi Wan this, Obi Wan that, stop saying Obi Wan. And then you get the line which I think works wonderfully on paper, but maybe is just destined to be criticized, which is the if you're not with me, and then you're my enemy. No, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Oh, yeah, that. Well, you I know, mean, other than that line, she's really good. You know, like, that line's just a little too on the nose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it, I think the line that's perfect, though, is that you're going down a path I can't follow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, just oh, that look of uh, Obi-Wan standing in the the cock, or the, the entryway. I, I wish I had just, like, framed that on my wall. It's such an awesome shot. Yeah, um... Only a Sith deals an absolute. So then Anakin and Obi-Wan, and I just wrote down on my thing, this was the fight of the fucking century. Um, well, because well, this I is love... what these whole prequel trilogies are about. Mm-hmm. Is this fight. And I love that, this... uh, you know, Obi-Wan oh. said before that he, you know, wouldn't kill Anakin. Like, he is on the defensive the entire fight. 
Yeah. He's never pressing yeah. an attack. Well, yeah, I mean, Anakin is 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 just letting his rage just drive him like like mm-hmm. uh, recklessly throughout the entire fight. But uh, um, it, more so than the Clone Wars, more so than anything else, like you wanted to see this duel, and then to give you double double your pleasure, double your fun, you also get Yoda versus Palpatine. Yeah, Palpatine. that was like an unexpected pleasure because that sequence is also awesome. I mean, the whole last like forty minutes of this movie is. In- Totally awesome. Uh, just like I, I these just, epic fights, you know. I'm dying to know, like, what the different versions of beyond before the reshoots. Like, what were the different like ideas that they had in the editing room before they settled on dual lightsaber duels? Because mm-hmm. it's it's awesome. Um, well, the, there's one point there on Mustafar where they're in the little conference room area where it looks like when I was rewatching, it looks like Obi Wan kicks Anakin in the balls from behind. <laughs> When he's like choking him on top of him, it looks like he just like whacks him in the balls, and Anakin flies over his head. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like when the when the duel of the fates comes on, you know, about halfway through the the Obi Wan Anakin fight, like that's when it just ascends to like this higher level, and you yeah. cut to uh, I mean, you've already had the cool stuff where they fought like in the the office of Palpatine, but then they're in the Senate, and it's like this like battle of wizards fight where. You know, all these, like, Senate pods are, like, crashing down all around, and Yoda's, like, jumping between them. These really cool camera shots where it kind of, like, the camera swoops in as Yoda's jumping up. Like, it's just yeah. full-on, like, this is, this is like, the best of, like, Star Wars action here. You know, like, this is the kind well, of stuff I hope we get in the, in the sequels. Like, just larger than life. Like, obviously, it's a slightly cartoonish, but it's, like, this is, you know, the idea of the Jedi and all their power, you know? Yeah, yeah, this is, this is everything crashing down um you get that great bit where at one point uh yoda's hanging off one of the pods we're below the camera angle is below him mm-hmm. the pod is flinging down towards him yoda jumps away as the pod continues to come towards us the viewer i feel like you see that in a lot of movies and it's never done as well as it's done here um or just to me it's just it's very effective here oh one thing um, i did want to mention one of my, my favorite lines in this movie is uh, when Yoda first confronts Sidious. He says, at an end, your rule is, and not short enough it was. I, that's always been one of my favorite lines of Yoda. Yeah. Well, because Yoda's is very, very badass. But Yoda's still speaking from, like, he's not quite ready to grasp that the reign of the Jedi is over. Mm-hmm. Um, which drives me nuts because this this fight is excellent between the two of them. I love Palpatine just like laughing and cackling. <laughs> Palpatine's just evil laughing the entire time. I mean, Even point, like, like he, he's like <laughs> hanging off the thing and he's like, Ugh! you know, he's like trying not to fall. And it's like he's still just giddy. Well, when Yoda like uh, catches one of the pods around him and sends it the other way, like he's still laughing. It's kind of like, oh shit, better duck out of the way here. You know? Yeah. But uh, what actually kind of drives this is it kind of plays like maybe Yoda gives up on this fight a little prematurely. Yeah. Yeah, I think he just he like he thinks he's defeated because he couldn't uh, hold off like the lightning or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess his, his will is just out of it. But um, really, the like the bit... shot where uh, Anakin and Obi Wan like come together with like an explosion of lava behind him. Yeah, I, that's, that's just next ar- that's just notes. artwork. Yeah, which is if I remember correctly, one of the teasers ended on that shot, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where they're running at each other, and it's like like they their free hands grab each other. While their lightsabers like come out and the thing burn, oh, it's just fucking epic. Um, then he, yeah, you see, then back on uh, Coruscant, you got Yoda dropping in the hatch to be caught by Jimmy Smith, which is a nice little echo of Empire Strikes Back, the mm-hmm. Cloud City. Um, I love on Mustafar that 
kind of like another like like uh, a microcosm of the theme of this movie so far. Everything just keeps like progressively worse as it escalates <laughs> into like des- desolation. I mean, they're on a thing which then topples over, and they're like climbing up that thing as it's like sinking into the lava. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's just well. So, and this is another point where like Obi Wan's strategy here. It's like he doesn't want to have to deliver the blow, and so he. He basically baits Obi-Wan or Anakin onto the cable. Like he, Obi-Wan swings out, gets Anakin to follow him, swings back, lands on a thing, and it's kind of like hoping that Anakin will just go over the side, but it doesn't yeah. happen, you know? Yeah. Um, the only part of this that, that I felt like could have used another pass is the, the fight on the floating pads over the lava river. It just felt like if it as intensely hot as that should have been and all that stuff. Yeah. And I just, it was the one it sequence did. I thought wasn't great to me. It was a little, maybe too much at that point. But the dialogue, you finally, you got some good dialogue. You know, that I have failed yeah. you, Anakin. I have failed you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Anakin's just like, you know, the Jedi are against me. And Obi-Wan's just like, Anakin, Palpatine is evil. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like, yeah. like, have you, I don't know if you've been paying attention or not, Anakin, but that guy is evil. Uh, that's yeah. why we're uh, against him. Yeah. And, and, you know, all those kids you just killed. Yeah. Uh, we have a little issue there. Um, and then it gets to the moment that you're waiting for, and I just—I remember watching this the first time, and you were just not expecting it to happen so quickly and so brutally. But Obi Wan says, "I have the high ground," and I just—I feel like—I feel like the audience just wasn't even prepared for that too. Well, see, how, this how- is this is what was missing right here was you needed a scene of training, either in this movie or the last one, with them training with like practice lightsabers or whatever, you know, where they've they've run through a similar scenario. Where like somebody has the high ground, you know, like like you needed to hit that point at once before, yeah. you know, where where like you know that like they've encountered this situation and we know who's going to win because they've trained, you know. But Anakin yeah. is like he he refuses to accept it, and so he's going to try to like jump over Obi Wan anyway and just gets cut up. You well, know? and I think but I think I think it does work as it is though because you're kind of looking for that thing that you know Anakin is supposed to be in the commentary they talk about. Um, how since Attack of the Clones, Anakin's like whatever his rating as a swordsman mm-hmm. has like as elapsed Obi Wan's rating as a swordsman. Eclipse. So you're kind of like looking at that thing where organically Anakin can lose to Obi Wan, mm-hmm. and they find it. I thought um, he just has to do a simple swing as Anakin <laughs> flips over him, and all of his limbs fall yeah. off. But I do feel Except like the whole sequence. the whole I have the high ground thing would have would have played a lot better if they'd set that up at some point before. Well, I mean. I think that maybe having Anakin be a child in the first one or, or being so like, like uninvolved with like mm-hmm. Obi-Wan, I, I think that's a huge flaw. Well, just think of it at the beginning of the attack of clones. You just had like a scene of like, uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan training, you know, like before yeah. they go to meet Padme, like just them yeah. training with like, I don't know, like some training lightsabers or, or just sticks or something, you know, where the, the same, the same scenario happens. You know, and Anakin tries it and he like, I don't know, he gets like shocked or whatever by like the training lightsaber and they laugh and then they go meet Padme, you know? Yeah, yeah. It could have been something quick and, and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Anakin gets lit on fire. God, it's just so grim. It's like, yeah. holy shit. Well, he's just like, I sinking. hate you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that line. He's like, brother sinking. Anakin. And Neil McGregor is like, he's like, it's, he just doesn't get enough credit for how excellent he is in these movies. Um, he really provides you with like that tether to the human, like, like, like 
I mean, like very little of Ewan McGregor is stiff in these movies where other people are, whether, whether mm-hmm. or not they're victims to editing, what have you. Like he just infused everything with such a, such a charm or I don't know, like so grounded. Um, and he just, yeah, watches him slowly, like sinking into the, the shore. It's like, the he won't kill him, but he won't save him. He just walks away, you know? Yeah. Like almost yeah. like more brutal to like not deliver the coup de grace there. You know, it's like, he's just yeah. going to let him burn. Uh, Which, you know, works so nicely for for Vader's, like, muted, cold hatred for him and, like, New Hope. Mm-hmm. That this is the man who wouldn't even, like, deliver the killing blow to him. Um, well, I love that he walks back to the ship and he just, like, pats the droids, you know, and just kind of, like, wearily walks up those steps, like, scorch marks all mm-hmm. over his robes. Um, just, like, like, the wind has just been completely taken out of him. Uh, so Palpatine shows up on Mustafa. And he seems like genuinely concerned and worried about Anakin's safety and well-being. I like the the ship he shows it shows up in. It's like the, in the design of it's very close to the shuttle design from uh, like Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, a lot yeah. of pe- people gave Lucas tons of shit about you know like the look and how it didn't look like Star Wars. Like you can't make that co- comment in the third movie here. You know, all the technology and design in this has that look to it. You know, right down to Anakin's silly hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so they get the weird. And Padme dies because she's lost the will to live. Yeah. Yeah. Because her hearts are broken. Yeah. You get the them both being operated on at the same time. Um, See, this is where I think where they ram one of those legs into him. <laughs> yeah. Buff. This is where I think they like whatever Anakin did to Padme. Like if he like just was so enraged that like he like sent out like a burst of lightning or something like that. Just. You wanted a thing where Padme was dying from an actual injury other than Will. Like, I just, I feel like that just comes across as too corny to a modern audience. Like, yeah. something, something where they were like, you know, like you're going to lose the baby if, we, if you don't deliver them now, but it's like, but your heart can't take it because you're just electrocuted. Like, if you do it, it yeah. will kill you. And she's like, do it anyway. You know, like something yeah. like that where she has like a little, little bit of agency. She can, you know, be a hero for her children. You know, I, I think that would have played a little better than just she has no will to live. And I think uh, seasoned filmmakers should have maybe sat in the editing room and, and made that decision mm-hmm. specifically based on the uh, uh, you're breaking my heart line and mm-hmm. thought maybe this isn't strong enough to stand on. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like this movie. It's probably my third favorite Star Wars movie, maybe. I mean, you know, sometimes my second. But uh, there are just these little tweaks they could have made to like make it a, like a true classic that they didn't. Yeah. You know? yeah. But um, in some ways, that is Star Wars. All Star Wars movies have their corniness, you know. Yeah, they do. Um, like I mean, I'm thankful they toned down C-3PO because I mean he was just an overdrive at the end of Attack of the Clones. Yeah. But uh, then the helmet comes down. And you you pause. <laughs> Love the to sound the First effect. breath. <laughs> the air gets sucked out. Oh, I was just like gripping like the the seats in the theater. The it's also a, a really excellent them. shot, like the the lighting. It's all like shiny, like it's just a cool. Yeah, scene. yeah. It's, no, yeah. The, the, the thing is so the, the armor's clean. You know, it hasn't mm-hmm. been like lived in for twenty years. Yeah. Um, the twins are born. The droid makes a really weird sound. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Bah. Ooh, bah. Ooh, bah. Um. The the way she names them seemed odd because I, I felt like you should have had a kind of naturalistic scene between the two of them earlier when they started naming yeah, a yeah. kid or, you know, if, if she didn't know it was twins. But yeah, the Frankenstein scene of Vader coming to life, that was interesting. <laughs> um, 
everyone complains about that. I mean, yeah, it's not great, but I don't know. It's it's not like it ruined the movie for me or anything. No, no. I mean, it, 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 on paper, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but maybe it's, just the delivery of the no, like it should have been more filled with rage, you know. Well, so obviously, as far back as this point, not not even to the point where he meets Luke Skywalker, but as far back to this point. It's been in Anakin's mind that he could overturn the Emperor and take over for himself. Mm-hmm. With Pad- with learning that Padme is dead, shouldn't he dissolve their business partnership? <laughs> I mean, like, maybe he's just like biding whole... his time, like waiting for the right time or something. I'll just know? wait 20 years yeah. <laughs> to get good and comfortable. Um, and just think for a moment, too. If Jimmy Smith had taken the boy, Prince <laughs> Luke. Prince Luke, yeah. <laughs> I like how he uh, mentions that, like him and his wife have been trying for a while, you know. Yeah, Mr. Smith. Nice. Yeah, Mr. Um, yeah, he was wearing a a turtleneck in the second movie that was supposed to increase the sperm count, but mm-hmm. it didn't pay off. He's actually stealing it. <laughs> it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, Qui Gon is mentioned. <laughs> presumably is where obi-wan gets just totally out of left field yeah which I, I guess some people think that's a hint to the sequels to me it was like uh lucas felt like he needed to establish force ghosts for some reason and so like yeah. that's why he put it in there well uh, i mean i guess it's there with the anakin anakin no it's you know yeah. kind of there from attack of the clones too um the funeral possession for padme is really depressing I, I just want to point out a couple things on one padme uses like the same button when she gets into the, her ship you know like 20 minutes yes. ago like she uses <laughs> the same button to make the ship fly i enjoyed that um and then like uh there's like this brief throwaway thing where like you know bail organa is just like uh oh hey captain antilles like uh, why don't you go ahead and take these droids and uh wipe the memory of this one yeah <laughs> and three feels just like what and r2 is just like in your fucking face three po yeah yeah, but R2 doesn't, you know, ever divulge his secrets later on. Although, shouldn't uh, shouldn't Captain Antilles be like a lieutenant or something here? I don't know. Yeah, it's you a long, think, long time I mean, to say pretty, captain. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty dead end job. Unless yeah. he's just like the the personal private, you know, captain of of. Uh, it was supposed to be like uh, this is Bail Organa's like private ship or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. With but still, prestige. it's like I don't know. Twenty years is just the captain. Like, he didn't. He never leveled up past that. Like, and he's got kind of a goofy haircut too. Kind of a lifer, um, yeah. So then you get the Star Destroyer, you get Young Tarkin, you get the Death Star. Oh, it's beautiful. Jimmy Smith brings Baby Leia home. Obi Wan delivers Baby Luke to Owen and Beiru and Tatooine. Young Beiru is cute. I didn't yeah. feel it so much in Attack of the Clones, but in this movie, she's cute. Yeah, she's cute. It's got uh, Joel Edgerton there as her her husband, who I'm glad that he he hasn't gotten the traction yeah. of Hollywood that people try to find for him. And he's just like, I guess we're having kids then, huh, Baru? <laughs> yeah. He's just like, I don't like to love this kid. I'm just letting you know yeah. right now, baby. This is the scene that they filmed during Attack on the Clones, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they didn't want to come back to uh, Tunisia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> even though, yeah. I almost like the way that they do it with the nighttime and everything, you would think that by the time Revenge of the Sith went into production, they could have easily done that like on a soundstage and made it look excellent. But Yeah, really. Um, stare off at the setting twin suns and that's it yeah well I mean it, you know Owen and Peru they age kind of hard too they got some city miles on them 20 <laughs> yeah. years later like I oh. guess tattooing is just hard the life of a evaporator farmer you know yeah 
Yeah, the moisture farming, whatever, whatever that exactly <laughs> means. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but again, we nitpick, but we we adore this movie. Um, it's easily the best of all the prequels. It's like you said, it's somewhere between like second and third best Star Wars movie in our our estimation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like A New Hope is kind of it's a new hope, you know. So you have to to give it that respect, but. I uh, definitely put this in Revenge of the Sith above uh, Return of the Jedi. Um, yeah, because you and I, you and I are, are the same in that. Obviously, Empire is our favorite because you know we're human beings, and we're alive. But uh, mm-hmm. I think the difference between you and I and other people is that we rate Jedi higher than New Hope. Um, it's been a while since I've seen. Jedi, and it's been a very long time since a new hope. So when we get around to that, I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna be interesting because I haven't seen these in a long time. I watched Empire like just a couple weeks ago, but the other two I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, we can watch it next week. Yes, but uh, I will say, and I'll probably talk about this next week too. But after the midnight showing of Revenge of the Sith, I went home. Um, I had to work like three hours later, but I mm-hmm. went home and I. I I could not lay down and close my eyes without watching an hour of New Hope. <laughs> and I just, I feel like I say again, all the little tiny inconsistencies of the story are all so brilliantly covered by Alec Guinness. And he plays, he plays Obi, old Obi-Wan very ambiguously, like mm-hmm. very charmingly. Um, there's a nice template there for Ewan McGregor to pick up, play young Obi-Wan. But uh, it's like all that stuff is just covered with this kind of wily old man. Yeah, he knows yeah. more than he's saying, and communicates that he knows more than he's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very effectively. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, next week, uh, yeah, I guess we'll still do one. I mean, the holidays don't mean much to us, so we'll, really we'll get one in. We'll do a new hope, and uh, probably won't have any directing news, but uh, we'll see. May the force be with you, always. 